Good morning and welcome to Our American Heritage. I am Bart Chowner, the host of your program. Our American Heritage program, we're exploring depth the American experience from its beginning through the present. And this morning, we want to welcome back Rebecca Price Janney. Rebecca, thank you for coming back and continuing to share with us. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Arch. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. If you would share with our listeners your background, and then we'll continue on with our conversation about the revival at Asbury. Sure. I love American history. It's been in my makeup, I would say, since I was a very little girl. My parents used to give me biographies of famous people, and they told me a lot of interesting stories from their own lives and their grandparents' lives. And it's just stayed with me. It's something that I love and feel really honored to be able to share stories about amazing ways in which God's fingerprints have touched our national history. And do you do some reenacting, Rebecca? Maybe a little bit, not like the really committed reenactors, but mm -hmm. I'm from Easton, Pennsylvania, which is one of the first three places where the Declaration of Independence was read publicly. And my ancestors took part in that back in 1776. And my husband and I dressed up like my ancestor and his wife. And every year during Easton Heritage Day, we portray them in the patriotic parade that takes place. So I do that. And that. I'm not sure that that's strictly reenacting, but I know it's a lot of fun. Well, if it's not, it's very close to reenacting. Yes. Also, Lester, Rebecca, I believe you were the youngest journalist ever to interview a Philadelphia Philly. Is that correct? That's really close. That might be the case, but as far as anyone knows, I was the first female to cover the team. And that was when you were 17, is that correct? 15. 15. So that was only yeah. maybe about eight or nine years ago now. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, if I mentioned Mike Schmidt and Larry Boa and Greg Luzinski, I might be dating myself, but that would put me in the right time frame. Well, I can remember Chris Short and Jim Bunning and Dave Alrimble <laughs> and all those guys, Wes Cummington. So I date myself even farther back than you. So I would say so, just by a little bit. Oh, I think a lot, Rebecca. I think a lot. So, well, Rebecca is now on her 26th book and which will right. be coming out in another month or so. Is that correct? I would say so. We don't have a definite date yet, but that's the target. Okay. And she has written at least a couple of books on the revivals that happened at Asbury. We were talking about the history of revivals and what was going on at Asbury and then the Great Awakening. So, Rebecca, if you would like to pick it up from there and continue to share, you were talking about the students coming down from the balcony so that the balcony would not collapse in on them. Right. They, they were jumpers, you called them, correct? Right, right. I think that there are so many incredible stories that came out of Asbury from a few weeks ago. And the stories of, of humility are the ones that have touched me the deepest. I heard about the Asbury president, Kevin Brown, going out in his jeans and, and a baseball cap and his tennies with a wagon, pulling a little wagon with water and fruit and distributing it to the people who mm. were waiting in line to get into Hughes Auditorium. Mm. And they had no idea who he was. <laughs> and he wasn't telling them, oh, I'm the president of Asbury. He was just doing what needed to be done. And 
There were other stories about faculty members who took students who were visiting and had no place to stay into their homes so that they would have a place to sleep at night. The hospitality that went on was just mind-boggling because, as I mentioned in the other segment, you have this town of 6,000 people and they're being visited by 50 to 75,000 people from around the country and many countries in the world. And they wanted to be helpful. And I was touched by hearing about the Salvation Army bringing a canteen and porta potties to accommodate mm -hmm. these clouds. And I believe Chick fil A came in and brought food and drink for these people. And just these stories of it wasn't about any one person. One thing that the administration decided very early on was that there would be no celebrities. Mm -hmm. They had been contacted by a few Christian celebrities, well-known people who mm -hmm. wanted to be there, maybe wanted to speak or publicly be a part of it. And they were turned away because it was about God. It was mm -hmm. about what he was doing there. And as the administration said a few times during those couple of weeks, this is about Jesus. He's the only celebrity here. Mm. I just love those stories. Just, I, I know that one of our cable news networks wanted to come and Asbury graciously asked them not to come because of that yeah. exact reason. And they agreed to that and respectfully uh, stayed away because it's about what's going on in these individuals, not uh, just a, a news story, you know, so to speak. That's right. And President Roland said he didn't want the event to be about anything else. Mm -hmm. It had taken everybody by surprise. Yep. And they were doing their best to shepherd it. And that was a main theme. Mm -hmm. uh, I would call it radical humility. And we see, Rebecca, in the 70s that you talked about, some of the results is the charismatic movement, the Jesus movement, a move towards more contemporary Christian music that has greatly influenced our culture and society. Is there any examples that we see how the, this particular current of revival has began to filter out into other areas of our country? I know that the story is being told and witness teams are going out to other campuses and to churches, and that revival has been breaking out at other Christian colleges and even some secular universities. And so in that sense, it definitely is spreading. And there is a certain kind of music that's going with it. And one of the things that I found very curious about it, back in 1970, the music was mostly music that kind of span the generation. Mm -hmm. It would be older person's music. Mm -hmm. It would be some of the, now I'm not really good with hymnology and when some of these things were written, but maybe hymns that came out of the 30s and 40s that their parents or grandparents would have sung. But now the music that was played over and over would be Michael W. Smith, Hillsong, mm -hmm is some of the songs that you would turn on and hear on a contemporary Christian station, but they were given their own gloss, if you will, by the sweet way in which these students would sing and perform. And again, there were no celebrities there. It was just these students singing. It was really very low-key, and yet 
high spiritual mm-hmm. vitality. I don't know. Did you have an opportunity to watch any of it, Arch? I watched a little bit of it as I was running around. I watched a little bit of it and just to see what was happening. One of the things that impressed me is the uniqueness of the individuals who were being touched by this revival. Uh, they, different things was touching the individual, and what possibly would touch one was not necessarily touching another one, but something else was touching them in their own personal lives to make it very distinctly individual. Yes. I think that's right. I think that God was meeting each person who went there, each student, whether an Asbury student or a student from another campus or a middle-aged couple who drove 10 hours to get there. God was meeting them where they were mm-hmm. and where they needed to be met by God at that time. And well, I, Rebecca, I will confess, I have a tendency to look at situations and see, okay, how is this going to have this great impact on our culture and society? And I, I believe that's the wrong approach. It's how that this impacts the individual person to be able to continue in their personal lives and their community to impact right. their community, not necessarily this big, grandiose thing that like an explosion type of thing. Am I on or off track with that? Well, what that leads me to think about is the impact of the individual on history. Mm-hmm. Whatever country you look at, whatever time period you look at, time and again, it's an individual whose life has been touched by God, who has gone and changed things often radically. I'll give one example because I think it ties into this. Charles Finney mm-hmm. was a man who was going to be a lawyer. And if he had become a lawyer, well, actually he did, and then he turned away from it. But if he had continued in that path, history would probably never have remembered him. But instead, he was touched by God, left the law, and became an itinerant evangelist. And he was the pivotal figure of the Second Great Awakening in the 19th century. And his philosophy, in part, was that changed people change the world. And so he maintained that if you were touched by God in a revival, whether it was in a big outpouring in a big congregation or more quietly one-on-one, you would go out and you would allow him to let you be a conduit to change things. And it was out of that revival that abolitionism changed things. That the temperance movement was born, that you had all these reformed movements, for example, the reformation of the working class and the long, tedious hours they were expected to work, the reformation of the way the mentally ill were treated, Mm -hmm. uh, the way prisoners were treated. And society really did change because of what those people did. So... I think my husband's a statistician. He likes to say the best indicator of future performance is past performance. So Mm -hmm. if we look at that, then we can fully expect that the lives of those people who were touched in this latest Asbury outpouring are going to go out there and impact the world. And we are going to see some change. 
Rebecca, I was at the early stages of contemporary Christian music years ago and in my first career, and from the early 1970s to now. How has these uh, revivals impacted, because you talked about the Christian music, how has that impacted our music throughout the 1970s through today, and how that also has impacts our culture and society? Well, I think the Jesus movement that came about in the late 60s, early 70s was at the forefront of a new genre of music and the contemporary Christian music was born. You had performers like Barry McGuire, Mm -hmm. who became a Christian artist. Dion DiMucci turned from secular music to Christian music. Those are just a few examples. I remember when I was in college, there was a group called Maranatha Mm -hmm. and there were then Amy Grant followed and, mm-hmm. and there were so many others. And I'm not really sure what will happen with the music now, but I believe that music played a, a large role in the worship that took place at Asbury and that has been breaking out on other college campuses that contemporary Christian music is the soundtrack of what's taken place. Mm-hmm. And we see, Rebecca, also how that music, that contemporary Christian music, how it's come to play in so many of our evangelical churches across America and the world today with the worship bands and w- what we're doing now as part of our worship service every each week. Yes, I think so. And it was curious that on occasion during the Asbury outpouring, you would hear the occasional older hymn. And I think that was sort of sweet. Whenever I heard one of the older hymns, I thought it was it was really nice that the younger people were able to tie into some of the really sweet lyrics of the older songs, and they were celebrating those. and And I liked the way that those two movements of Christian music came together, mm-hmm. even though the majority of it was more contemporary. Mm-hmm. And you remember, well, again, you're probably too young, the battle that we were going through in the early 70s as more and more contemporary Christian music groups were playing not the old hymns anymore, but, you know, they were using the live instruments, the electric guitars, the drums, it was much more upbeat, and the the resistance that was there from so many in Christianity because it wasn't, you know, 150 years old or whatever. And yet, look how, because of that influence, how that has influenced a lot of people in Christianity and bringing, I believe, bringing a lot of people to Christ because of the music. Mm -hmm. Personally, I think that both styles are important for different reasons. Sure. I think that the older hymns, like Greatest by Faithfulness, Mm -hmm. which is one that I I heard at Asbury, tell perhaps a deeper story, but then you have the more contemporary ones that are on the level of more praise and worship type songs yes. yep. that yep. elevate the spirit. I, I think there's room for both. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely there is. And we can't shut one out over the other and vice versa. Rebecca, there has been several, several times throughout our history where there has been revivals starting at Asbury. Is there any particular reason or reasons why we have seen these revivals just explode out of Asbury over the years with so many different revivals there? It is interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I I have a friend who teaches at Asbury Seminary, which is across the street, 
And the two are very closely, they have a close relationship, but they are not the same administration. (laughs) They're separate institutions. But he was talking about how amazing it is that you have this little tiny town, this Mayberry type town out in the middle of nowhere. And time and again, beginning in the early 20th century, you've had a handful of outpourings at various times that have been really dramatic and that have gone out and really impacted the world during the times in which these happened. And I don't know exactly why. My educated guess is that it's in the DNA Mm -hmm. of the institution. The college was created in 1890 by some very ardent Wesleyans who had revival as part of their spiritual heritage. And there's always been this sense of God is welcome here. Mm. God, God is welcome to come in here and change whatever needs to be changed mm-hmm. in whatever way he deems fit to change it. And I think it's the life of prayer and openness and humility. And for me, it's just reinforced anew that God doesn't always choose the biggest or the best to accomplish his purposes. He seems to prefer the small and Mm -hmm. the lowly, if you will. Although I don't think of Asbury as lowly per se, but but in the eyes of the world, it's not Harvard, it's not Princeton. But I think God tends to prefer to use a different venue than the elite institutions or the elite people. And Rebecca, I, I believe, and I, I, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul was reminding the Corinthian church that that God doesn't necessarily have to to use or doesn't necessarily use the biggest, the best, the most talented, the most uh, publicized out there to cause growth in Christians' lives and and have people come to Christ. Absolutely. And I'm reminded again of how we pray in our lives as historians and as believers for revival. And then when it's not necessarily inside of our own little theological belief system, that we should not just sit back and be skeptical, but to to watch God work in ways far beyond that we could ever comprehend because he is the God of the universe. Absolutely. Absolutely. And... I just love something that President Kevin Brown said a few weeks ago that at that moment, the fire was bright and it was it was strong and everybody could see it. Mm-hmm. And yet there would come a time when the flames would begin to dissipate and then you would have embers. Mm-hmm. And he said that sometimes I forget exactly how he said it, but it's like the heat is greatest when you have the embers. And Mm -hmm. he was expecting God to be continuing to do amazing things in and through Asbury and the people's lives who were touched there after the flames were a little lower. And I think that's basically what we've been seeing. I've been in touch with several people there over the past few days, and they said that while people are generally very tired because you had 24-7 worship, you had people not sleeping or eating the way they usually do, time itself seemed to stand still for them. Mm -hmm. They could be worshiping for hours and not realizing that that much time had passed, and they needed to rest. 
but there was still tremendous gratitude and a sense of, okay, the next phase is coming. And Asbury's doing everything it can to prepare students for this next phase. Yes, yes. And there's still a lot of movement of the spirit. It's just in a different direction now. I know, Rebecca, for me personally, that as an historian, there are many times, particularly in the past several years, where I began to look at our country and I look what's going on and I'm discouraged of what's going on by, by so many different things. And I lose sight of the facts and which this is for me personally, this is what has happened at Hasbury that, that it was so poignant for me, how quickly I forget, just looking yeah. at how quickly I forget that God is still working and will continue yeah. to work in the lives of individuals. I totally, totally concur with that, Arch. That is similar to what has happened in my life. And as I was witnessing all that was happening, one of the songs that the students kept singing was the Michael W. Smith song about God never stops working. Mm-hmm. Even when we can't see it, you're working. And and I thought, wow, God, you really have been working. Yes. We haven't seen it. We've been immersed in this yuck for three plus years. Mm-hmm. And and we've been so taken by it. And the spirit of heaviness has been upon us, but he was giving out garments of praise. Mm-hmm. And as this worship was happening vertically, it was almost like I could see differently. Yes. That yep. all this other stuff began to fade. And and I began to see it as so many did as part of a world and a culture that are going to fade away in the light of God's glory and grace. Mm-hmm. I, I, my feet are made of clay, and mm-hmm. if I if I emphasize that, I, I will. That's all will be. But the realization again for me personally is God is in control. Mm-hmm. I, my hope, my hope is in Jesus Christ. And we stand upon the foundation that God is at work and will continue to work and and progress through history, regardless of where we might be as as a nation. Yes. And I think we can use history to teach us about his other movements in history Mm -hmm. and how there's so much hope. I think one thing about revivals that has struck me in my research over the years is how they come about in the darkest times. Yes, yes. In the times of the greatest despair, God breaks through. Yes. And I think that's what's happening here. And that is so true. And that is a great point to to leave us on, that that God is in control and we need not to despair, regardless of what we see around us. So, Rebecca, thank you. This has been so different as recordings, but so uplifting to, to have me personally remember and to see what is happening and never doubt that God is in control and moving in, in the lives of individuals in our country. He never stops working. He never does. Thank you. So again, before we close, share with our listeners where they would be able to purchase your books and your podcasts and your website, because I know you also you do a lot of speaking, where they'd be able to, mm-hmm. to contact you with all that, please. Right. I'm at www.rebeccapricejanny.com. The book about the Asbury Revival of 1970 is called Sweet, Sweet Spirit. And it's available along with my other books on Amazon, BardsandNoble.com, ChristianBook.com. And my podcast, American Stories, 
is on Spotify. Okay. And listeners, please read all of Rebecca's books. You'll be so encouraged from them. And and you'll also see growth in your life and growing closer to the Lord. So Rebecca, thank you. This has been, again, so different from what I usually do, but it's so needful. And it's so encouraging to have you on and talk about the revivals at Asbury. So thank you so much for doing this. Oh, you're so welcome, Marsh. I always love talking with you. Well, I also love talking with you, and <laughs> we both hope that we see our world, our Phillies back in the World Series this year. <laughs> there you Don't go. Tell you. So, and so <laughs> this is this is 1180 AM WFYL, working for your liberty.